This program was first broadcast on Canterbury's access media station, Plains FM, and was made with the assistance of New Zealand On Air. Next on Plains FM, we have Movie Talk, a program for all things cinema-esque, for the discerning film and video junkie. Welcome again to Movie Talk. Today we'll be looking at three first-class, rather offbeat movies. They are the Dalai Lama's escape from Tibet to India in 1959, in Never Forget Tibet, the true story of a woman's search for the bones of the lost king, in a film by that name, and a surprisingly complex production, Avatar, The Way of Water. The situation is very difficult. The Chinese forces are already reached. Now time come, leave. It was one of the most daring escapes in history. Fighting breaks out and forces the Dalai Lama to escape the invading Chinese. Exactly 10 o'clock, I left from Nublinga. I had a hunch that I'm going on an important mission. Never Forget Tibet is a documentary that, amongst other things, presents the story of the Dalai Lama's resettlement in India after the communist Chinese occupation of Tibet in 1959. Charlie Sierra has been off to the Lumia cinemas to see this multi-level documentary with comments by a wide variety of people. Charlie, what did you think of Never Forget Tibet? I thought it was a very interesting um, documentary. Um, of course, I think I say this every time we talk about a movie, but um, <laughs> just move this out of the way. But um, I just, I just feel like the sh- everything, all of the cinematography was just very beautiful, and I think it a, a lot of it has to do with just the region where it takes place. Yes, you know, like Tibet, and yeah, they do uh, show down in India. Then, oh, some of the parts of India, Nepal, mm. and um, China as well. But yeah, it's just the cinematography. Just watching the the Buddhist temples and and oh, all yes. of this part, uh, all of this culture part of of Nepal and Tibet, which I just find fascin- fascinating. And of course, under under that surface of 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 how pretty the movie can look, the documentary can look. There's actually like cool things um, that are addressed as well, you know. Um, I did think that the Dalai, the Dalai Lama was going to be a little bit more featured, a little bit more main yes. in this story. Yes, well, it, it, it's uh, unusual that I, I thought so also some. Well, I expected the film to be more uh, sort of from the uh, Buddhist uh, angle of his personal philosophy and uh, that it was going to show, you know, this uh, giving peace to the world or something yes. like this. This is what I assumed the film would be. Yes. But uh, to me, it turned out to be much more of a political um, uh, uh, st- statement uh, yes. of, from different nations and how they took to the uh, uh, what happened there in 1959 when um, the Chinese uh, occupied took over Tibet. 
That is and, correct. And, yeah. and they, they would have arrested and locked up um, the Dalai Lama, but that is why he just had to get out. Yeah, yeah, this he knew is, that he just yeah. had to get out. And that, and this was the second time he was leaving in 1959. Yeah, but, yeah. yeah. Mm. It was the second time he was leaving Tibet. Mm. But but he was, as it turned out, uh, when he once he got going, it wasn't that easy for him along the way. It was very dangerous. But he was helped by an Indian political officer um, who guided the Dalai Lama safely through to India, northern yes. India. Yes. Where he, this man, this Indian man, had him staying for quite a while with his own family. Yes. Yeah. And so, so there's that angle to the whole film also because the film was actually um, uh, written by Rani Singh and she is the niece of this Indian um, fellow who is Harmanda Singh. Mm-hmm. Who helped uh, Dalai yeah, Lama. Who d- yeah, who helped the Dalai Lama. Yeah. And uh, they are two big fo- uh, sort of... Uh, strong forces in this film. Yes. And I think it is them who give the whole film more of an Indian perspective. Oh, definitely. Than a yeah. t- Tibetan perspective. Yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> just just like we were mentioning before, no, she wrote the book that the documentary is based on. So, yeah. and she, I believe she's British, but of course you can tell uh, by a lot of factors that her ancestry is Indian. So, of oh, course, yeah, she's, she's going to put a lot of a lot of weight and a, yeah. a, a big agenda towards India. Yeah. But I felt the same thing that you felt, actually, Hans, and it was really funny. I don't know if you remember when we a- arrived to the movie that there was actually a little thing playing before the movie started, which was kind of just to relax us. It was kind of like a guided meditation that was playing oh. before the movie. Mm-hmm. And when when we arrived and that was playing, I also felt the same thing as you. I was like, this is just going to be 100% Dalai Lama teachings, yeah, very yeah, Buddhist yeah, type yeah. of thing, very good mm. like to, to think about it. And yeah, the more and more that the documentary advanced, the more you start seeing China as as the enemy in of the course, documentary yes. and India as the hero. Yes. Yeah. 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 And, and you're like, out. okay, yeah. yeah, it is a bit yeah. political. Yeah. They, they, they have tried to balance out again. Towards the end, there is quite a long um, talk which the Dalai Lama mm-hmm. gives in which he talks about his personal um, views of the importance of love and compassion and yes. this kind of thing, which is also very much a depict. Uh, a strong element of the um, Buddhist uh, religion. Yes, and, and 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 all of this. So they do have, have tried to balance the whole thing out <laughs> yeah. again. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. It, <laughs> no, it, it's good. It's good to keep this in mind that this is not sort of hundred percent Dalai Lama stuff. Yeah, There's exactly. Many other influences within mm. this film also. Yeah, it's it's good to know what you're going to go and see, and I think I would have maybe it would. If I, if I was ready to see the movie that I actually saw, rather than the one that I thought I was going to oh. see, I thought I could have focused a little bit more on that political aspect that the movie yeah. had to offer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, which is all very interesting too. Yeah, definitely. But, but then again, I mean, it does show up the the good people. I mean, the to me, Tibetan people always seem to come over as very nice yeah. people. Yeah. I don't know why. Like very peaceful, you know, right? Yeah, yeah. yes. Yeah, and, very peaceful, and, very and just get, minding their business. And you always get that feeling when you're with the Dalai Lama or the other people uh, around him yes. and that kind of thing. And, uh, and of course, this adds that nice touch. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. 
So, yeah, so I, I, I think this is well worth seeing. By this, To me, this is the kind of thing they should be showing to school kids. Oh, a, definitely, yeah. As a sort of a history lesson you yes. know, in overseas religions and po- culture and politics. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah. And, yeah, important to know, like, yeah, the influence or the threats that a religion can have over a dominating state, you know, yeah. like as China saw yeah. Buddhism being... Uh, a threat. Well, it's a bit different to communism. <laughs> It is a bit different, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, well, thank you very much for that. All right, Good. Hans. That was Charlie Sierra with his views on Never Forget Tibet. And I'm Hans Petrovic on Plains FM 96.9. A very competent and valued Philippa, but I've decided you are at the right level for you. Are you actually reading from an HR manual? No, no. What would improve things at work? A penis. You can have mine. Not very busy these days. Huh? What are you doing? You're coming to the theatre with me. My kingdom for all! I actually felt quite sorry for him. I'd quite like to visit his grave. There isn't one. You sure you want to join this group? You look quite normal. I'm not. In The Lost King, a woman defies the academic establishment in her successful efforts to find the bones of an English king, the location of which have not been known since his death 500 years ago. Uh, Robin Munro's been off to the Lumiere cinemas to see what turns out to be a rather feel-good movie based on fact. Robin, what did you think of The Lost King? I thought it was very clever and funny and a very warm movie. You, and unusual in many ways. Yes, it's, yes. It had sort of a lot of sort of unusual sort of quirky touches to it, and um, which uh, actually when finally when you walk out of the cinema with a smile on your face, you think, oh, that all worked well together <laughs> so, somehow. <laughs> and um, to me the main of these unusual things is the uh, actress Sally Hawkins. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's sort of quite a... You know, unusual looking girl, but um, but still a very um, winning. She's got a definite charm about her. Absolutely. And, and she holds that whole thing together, and you just cannot, you know, you're with her there in, in what she's doing, in trying to, with her own attempts to find where this, what happened to and this And it's a story, a story about her, too. It, 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 although the film's called The Lost King, and it's certainly about the quest to uh, find the uh, remains of uh, the King Richard III, um, sh- her, she has some sympathy for him because she has chronic fatigue syndrome and she feels yeah. that she's defined by, by other people. And she feels, well, Shakespeare portrayed King Richard III as a hunchback and he's defined by his deformity. And that, <laughs> that means his character is all bad and evil and she sort of fights this and that, and that's part of the story. Yes, 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 you get this. Then the other unusual aspect of this film is that once she started thinking and start, then once she's actually sort of um, becomes obsessed with this whole idea of finding uh, where this, what happened to this, what did they do with him, where did they bury him? Well, here they've put in another exceptional idea that while she's doing this um, search, the figure of King Richard III actually appears to her, literally, this young man with a big crown on his head, and and they even begin talking to each other. And actually, actually this is used well in the film to um, give you some of the 
background history behind what he had done or not done and all of this sort of thing. And it fills this in very smartly in that way. But it's just a most unusual way of putting a sort of imaginary ghost-like figure with her for, for half the film. <laughs> <laughs> yes, no, no, it's quite spectacular, that bit. And... Um, uh, we, we learn a lot about really the prejudice against him. We don't really solve the mystery of whether he was a good king or a bad king, but that he was certainly a king. And it, it turns out actually that the royal family didn't accept him as a king and that she had a, a battle after these bones were found um, to have the royal coat of arms um, placed next to his tomb. Yes, yes, it's all of this sort of thing. And I mean, and she does have that fight with the local university people there, or the historical mm-hmm. people there, because they've got their own opinions about this man, which follow very much, uh, closely what Shakespeare had yes. <laughs> alleged about the man, this hunchback man who, you know, with all his, did, used to do these terrible things. And, um, you know, and, and all of this is, is in there, and it adds to the... The battle that she has in in what she's doing in so many ways, and she's got this amazing sort of a face. She can't help liking her, despite the fact that it's a rather <laughs> unusual-looking woman, uh, Sally Hawkins, in that part. Mm. And and yeah, they didn't really take her seriously, and she worked mm. out that he was buried under a car park. And uh, they weren't very believing of this, but she had to get money and diggers and she needed some help to get this done. But she actually stood in the car park and believe it or not, under R, which turns out it was for reserve, but she thought was for Richard. (laughs) He was almost directly under that point. Now, whether that's true or not, I don't know. But another woman who uh, helped her a little bit in her quest to get the car park uh, dug up um, she said, uh, you know, don't talk about your feelings uh, if you want to be believed, especially if you're talking to men. And it seems that the uh, woman, who, Philippa, who, who, did, uh, who, who did lead this search for uh, the, the remains of the king, uh, she had some feeling when she was in that car park. Perhaps she didn't have an apparition uh, like in the film, but she did have so- there was something that told her this is probably the place where Just he is. Go. Yes, that's very <laughs> Interesting point. Well, the film was um, directed by Stephen Frears, and it's based on a book um, we called The Search for Richard III by um, Philippa Langley. And she is that woman who's doing the searching yes, in the film. Yes, and, uh, and, yeah, So it, it is based on her own novel. Um, but, but, I mean, I imagine they've changed it quite a bit since the, the novel <laughs> first came out. I did. You know, would she have had that king, the apparition of a king? No, well, I, 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 I think that's going beyond beyond what. I uh, think it's still part of the movie. But the feelings, <laughs> uh, the feelings. Apparently, she did have those. So you know, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh no, no, it's well worth seeing. And as I've said, I walked out of that theatre with a smile on my face. Me too. Yep. Good. Thank you. That was Robin Munro with his views on The Lost King. And I'm Hans Petrovic on Plains FM 96.9. I also thank this show's sponsor, the Harcourt's Grenadier Accommodation Centre, which is now located at 98 Morehouse Avenue. If you're looking for a place to live, check out the Harcourt's Accommodation Centre website, assetmanagers.co.nz. That address again, assetmanagers, one word, .co.nz. Thank <laughs> you.
Avatar, The Way of Water, gives us more than three hours of a movie like no other than I have ever seen before. Uh, Carolyn Brown's been off to the Lumiere cinemas to see the sequel to the original Avatar of 2009. Uh, Carolyn, I found this highly technical CGI production to be overwhelmingly complex. What did you think of Avatar, The Way of Water? I really, really enjoyed it. It's just a stunningly beautiful film that I think can only be enjoyed on the big screen. I don't think anyone's TV is going to be able to do it justice. Um, <laughs> it was a wee bit long, like it was stretching my, my limits on my attention span. <laughs> well, it was intense stuff. There's a lot going on in that film, and that's to take all of that stuff in is not easy for three hours. No, it's not. not absolutely not. It, it, it almost made me um, miss, miss how we used to have intervals. You know, many, many, many years ago, how you used to be able to have an interval and you yeah. went up and refreshed your jaffers and, and everything like that. I think it almost needed that. Well, I thought there's so much in this film they could have made two separate movies. Exactly. <laughs> and I'm, I'm sure if our homegrown... Um, director would have been, uh, if it would have been under his uh, stuff, then he definitely would have done it. But James Cameron, he did say he was going to make a sequel, and he has made a sequel, and he's actually got two more in, in plan in, um, in this particular series. So, yeah, he did it well. It was worth waiting 12 years for, that's for sure. Oh, it's yeah, uh, this is just... A, and, I mean, it's, there's so much... Um, Technical, uh, the photography's absolutely excellent, but there's so much uh, technical stuff, CGI stuff, and to, to f uh, go with a, uh, the Way of Water name of the film, uh, about, in, particularly in the last half of the film, about half of the things that happen happen underwater with people swimming about and this kind of thing. Yes, and, and kudos has to be given to the actors because they all trained like... Um, I watched an article with um, with one of the actresses. Sorry, my brain's not really working well enough today. Um, and she could hold her breath for seven minutes, so they were able Good to heavens. So Yeah, so still all those things. Yeah, is that amazing. what did they? Because I just wondered, are they actually underwater for so long? How can they do that? You know? <laughs> yeah, they were. Mm. Yeah, and yeah, then, yeah. And then in those underwater scenes, they can put so many other move all the glistening lights all over the place and uh, seaweeds or whatever there may be under there. All It's full of all these moving, glistening objects. Plus also those um, gigantic um, sea creatures, sort of like gigantic whales or something that um, they... Yeah, uh, weren't they beautiful? ...work with down there. You know, this is just such astonishing, astonishing stuff. I've never seen so much in one film, ever. Yeah. Well, since the last Avatar, maybe. <laughs> 12 years ago. Um, but yeah, talking of sparkling lights, do need to mention that if you do have a sensitivity to light, there are a couple of scenes, more than a few scenes in the film in which you're going to avert your eyes. Um, I found it quite... I, a lot of the fight scenes I couldn't watch. Um, because of the the firing of the the guns and it was it was too fast it was um yeah too triggering and there were a couple I think there was a storm scene as well that was also like oh great oh, would have appreciated the warning on that one um, <laughs> other than that yeah no stunning beautiful film definitely one kids can go along that will just be 
fall in love with, I think. Yeah, I didn't understand. I mean, I understand. We saw it at the Lumiere Cinema, but um, mm. I believe this film is also um, uh, showing around town at the mainstream cinemas um, in, in 3D. 3D. And yes. to me, I mean, I found this absolutely fascinating, but I think I'm going to go back one day and have a look at this oh, good. in good. 3D. I, th- I think it actually could, well, is it, it, well, it literally would add another dimension to the whole thing. Oh, yeah. And absolutely. it's already and you an amazing. Thing had been made for 3D. Definitely um, a couple of scenes, a few scenes in there that are immersive. Um, unfortunately, I just can't watch 3D films. But. <laughs> <laughs> No, but um, um, and also need to mention there are a couple of Kiwis in this film. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. So which is really fun. I mean, one of them I knew, I knew Chris Curtis, isn't it? And Clement isn't it as well? So that was a nice surprise seeing him yeah. um, doing some acting. Yes, yes. Uh, one thing I just couldn't understand. Now, were these people originally from Earth that they went off to this? Um the humans were, yes. There, yep, there were yep. a few, but everybody seemed to have a tail. Well, yeah, they're avatars. You need to, before you go and watch it in 3D, you need to watch the original avatar movie. Yes, again. I will. <laughs> but, so, but, well, well, it'll take me three hours to explain. <laughs> so, how many, so how many, there's not many humans in the film, because I thought just about everybody had a tail in this film. <laughs> no, so there are some humans that have become Navi by um, being put into avatars, hence the name of the film. Um, <laughs> yeah. There are still some humans in it as well. But basically, humans are bad, bad guys <laughs> in this film and uh, in the series. They're doing a colonisation of other planets, things, and um, wiping out, trying to wipe out our friends in the universe. <laughs> no, it's, it is a beautiful yeah. film. Yes. Yeah, absolutely stunning. Um, oh, I know. Yeah, it, 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 uh, this is was to me an amazing, amazing. I mean, this film. It, it uh, when it comes to the plot, there were some, some parts that I just didn't even quite understand who was who or what was go where, who yeah. was going where. Maybe I should have seen the the original one too. But yeah, I mean, this film does try to have a bit of a backstory to it. Yeah. I mean, the first half an hour is trying to pick up on where it left off, but yeah, no, definitely, <laughs> you, you needed to have seen. Yeah. One, yeah, uh, but uh, but it's I mean, but it's it's so well put together. I mean, uh, this film will certainly go into my top ten films of the year. I couldn't class it the best film because it's just too much. Somehow. Yeah, no, definitely, but but yeah, for filmmaking, it's absolutely astonishing, and it well deserves to go in the top ten films for this year. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. 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 Okay, well, thank you, Carolyn. That was Carolyn Brown with her views on Avatar, The Way of Water. And I'm Hans Petrovic, inviting you to listen to Movie Talk again on Plains FM 96.9 at midday next Wednesday. This program will also be repeated at midday on Saturday. And you can listen to podcasts of earlier episodes on the Plains FM website. That's plainsfm.org.nz. Music